Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. And we are here in our beautiful Dry Ridge Clinic today. We don't podcasting, usually come down here. Yeah, podcasting on location. Yes. And we have two special guests, our clinic manager, Charlie Mead. Hey, Charlie. Hey, what's, what's up, guys? <laughs> Happy you're here. Charlie, you want to introduce our other special guest? Yeah, this is Lori Hugel. Um, we've been interacting with each other for a while, for a long time, yeah. uh, mainly through uh, professionally as a, a patient of mine. Um, she's a quite the distance athlete. She does a lot of Ironmans, um, and I've helped her through a, a variety of injuries. So, um, But she's also working on a, raising some money for a pretty cool charity and, and organization, I guess, rather, um, through her upcoming Ironman. So. Awesome. Thanks, Lori, for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for Lori. having me. Yeah, so, so current patient, correct? Still current patient, yes. Yeah. Probably for the rest of her life. At least, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the rest of my life. Oh, boy. Just kidding. So for our uninformed listeners, tell them what is, in this case, an Iron Woman competition yeah. involve. Uh, half Ironman, which is what I'm doing in May, is a 1.2-mile swim, 56-mile bike. And a 13.1 mile run. Ew. And the time limit is about eight hours and 40 minutes, eight hours and 50 minutes to complete oh, wow. the course. And That's then amazing. in September, it's double those distances. So Ooh. the full Ironman is double that. So it's like 100. Chattanooga is actually 144.6 wow. miles. And you've never done one? I've done a half. Okay. I've attempted a half. I completed a half in September. And Congrats. I was going to compete in a full, but then I had some serious knee issues. Yeah, the wheels that, gave out. Yeah, the wheels basically came off completely. Oh, no. So um, what I attempted in 2021 is what I'm aiming to achieve in 2024. So we'll see. I believe That's in awesome. you. <laughs> so what was it, uh, what injury or issue were you dealing with back in 21? Uh, 2021, I was training for the half in Chattanooga and I was out on a run and I had some really serious knee pain on the inside of my knee, um, to the point where it actually made me nauseous and I never gotten sick with pain before. Yeah. So the next day I came in to talk to Charlie about it and I had a feeling it was torn meniscus and he said he thought it was maybe the same thing. So he gave me some exercises to do over a couple of days if it didn't get any better to go see my ortho so it didn't get any better so I went to see um, Dr. Hamilton up at Beacon Mm -hmm. and he sent me for an MRI two days later I found out I had torn meniscus definitely but then um, and he scheduled me for surgery like the following Friday so he squeezed me in pretty quick because he knew he knew I was eight weeks out from doing this Ironman and he knew I was going to do it anyways um he's like obviously (laughs) he's like obviously um your level of difficulty is going to be higher um he said but you can you know you can do the swim you can do the bike he said you know when you get to the run walk it don't run it so when they went in and did the surgery did the clean out i had torn meniscus on both sides oh wow i had grade three deformities on the head of my femur um on the head of my tibia on the back of my kneecap 
so this was like the third clean out I'd had on the knee. And he's like, okay, you can do the race. Just stick with what I told you, he said, and then come back and see me when you're done. And then when he released me to full activity, I kept getting stress fractures in my lower leg because oh I basically goodness. had no impact from the yeah, no cushioning yeah. and he's you know they were going to try the whole spinning up the platelets and mm -hmm. and i was like no because insurance doesn't cover it it's not a long-term fix so just send me to somebody in the practice that does knee replacements and we'll just go from there and that's what i opted to do so in december, gotcha. yeah that december i had a total knee replacement okay so it's been two years so going back to when you came to Charlie, you knew you had direct access and you could come oh. right in and get checked out, right? Yes. <laughs> from previous experience? Yes, from previous okay. experience. Charlie and I have a very good relationship. <laughs> <laughs> she, as she says, as she's giggling. Why am I scared? <laughs> so Charlie, from like a clinical standpoint, um, you know, take us back to working with someone highly competitive, uh, highly athletic as Lori and how that uh, injury gets superimposed then on what she's trying to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, it's challenging for sure. It's challenging to balance um, her desire to want to race and compete and mm -hmm. medically what you kind of know might be best for them, which sure. is maybe not to do this this significant uh, activity, but ultimately we're here to support people in what their endeavors are and yeah. uh, to try to get them to, to the point where they want to be. So it's definitely challenging, um, but I think working together and, and you know, sharing each other's goals of what our what my expectations of her are and and what my expectations of her knee might be and what her goals for herself are I think we got to a good spot and mm -hmm. she was able to to you know to work hard to get back to you were able to compete and and do that in September that that 21 right but just not at the level you wanted to do is right. that is that correct yeah right. um, but we were able to, to do some version of what she wanted to, yeah. to accomplish and now she's working um, you know what two years removed from knee replacement surgery she's now working on trying to get back to it so mm -hmm. um which i think is an awesome awesome goal for her for sure it shows her tenacity for sure so yeah. inspiring mm -hmm. talk to Lori. talk to the patients out there that um have heard a scary thing that you need your knee replaced and they might be thinking well i get my knee replaced and then I my can never go back to yeah my athletic life or my recreational life is over uh not true i mean obviously you're limited like with high impact stuff because you don't sure. want to wear your implants out. Right. Um, so, I mean, I run still, but it's, I mean, twice a week. And right now it's on the treadmill and it's intervals, yeah. like one minute sure. on, one minute off. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to put that pounding on there. But yeah. I mean, I spent a, a year like rehabbing and getting this leg back to where it was strong enough to where I could do what I wanted to do. And once I hit December of last year, I was like, okay, that's enough of that. It's time to get my act together and get back to where yeah. I want to be. Because I wanted to, my ultimate goal was to go back to Chattanooga this May and complete the race that I didn't finish. Because I did, I mean, I did do the race, but I got Not like, the way you wanted. yeah, I got like six and a half miles short. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't going to make the cutoff. I was limping. I was uh -huh. like, okay, I'm just going to tap out and just you know, uh, save it for another day. Sure. And so this coming May was my goal, was basically my redemption race. Well, my redemption race ended up being in September mm -hmm. because my three friends were like, hey, let's go to Augusta <laughs> and do <laughs> a, a half Ironman. And I was like, and I was training 
as if I was going to compete in May. So the only thing I really hadn't done was get in the water and swim. Mm -hmm. And we live on the lake down here. So I was like, well, if I can get in the water and swim and get my confidence in the open water swim, then I, you know, I think I can do this. And I did. I, I did it in eight hours and 52 minutes. Um, you know, I was probably one of the last dozen people to cross the finish line, but I still crossed the finish line without somebody hauling me off the course. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that was, I mean, you're like I said, you're limited in what you can do impact high impact wise, but I'm not going to let it keep me from doing the things that I want to do. If I had chosen not to have the knee replacement and be in pain, I wouldn't be doing anything right now. I'm going to cry. So, and you have a background in exercise science, right? Originally, yes. that's what your degree's in? Yeah, I have a four-year degree in exercise science. Okay. So how did that affect your approach as a patient? And were there times when, you know, Charlie's maybe putting the brakes on you? Or it's probably detrimental. <laughs> 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 to your relationship or to you? <laughs> to, to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you're ready to hit. You're chomping at the bit probably. I was ready to hit, and, you know, I kept asking him what else – you know, because I was in here working out my upper body. I was like, what else can I do that I'm not doing in here? Yeah. And he would give me things to do. And he said, well, don't do any more than that. Mm-hmm. So when I was trying to get my leg to 100 to zero degrees, I mean, I was coming out here and putting my heel up on one of those dumbbells and stacking two, like, 25-pound plates on my <laughs> on my thigh to get yeah. it to zero degrees. Yeah. Oh my and goodness. then – I mean, that was the easy part. Getting it to zero degrees was the easy part. It was the getting to 120 degrees on the bend. Flexion was yeah was not as easy, and it was not easy on me either. <laughs> I was, was going to say, Charlie, how did that make I you mean, feel? I had a love hate relationship with Charlie. Oh, for sure. During that time, <laughs> for sure. As long as it's a relationship. Yeah. And and so Charlie, what wh- you know, speak a little bit clinically to trying to balance um, patients of different mentalities when you're trying to slow someone down versus push someone, you know, where's that sweet spot mm-hmm. right in the middle? I think, again, it comes back to having a relationship with that patient, regardless if I know them well, like I know Lori, or they're brand new to me. Yeah. Um, developing some rapport, I think, is absolutely imperative. Um, you have to be able to have a, some communication with them and be able sure. to conversate on that. But clinically, you're always trying to balance the signs of, you know, depending on how far out from surgery they are, um, are they getting sore, swollen, inflamed? Um, how is their knee joint seem to be tolerating this thing mm-hmm. you're pushing? Maybe maybe the knee joint is tolerating it great. So you know what? We're going to push it a little bit more. Um, there's, there's definite, um, I would say, more uh, black and white things that we do initially, like um, yep. to work on bending and straightening and getting their quad back. But as we get further and further from surgery date, we can get a little bit more um, into some nuance of their exercise so we can push into what their specific goals are. Maybe they want to get back to weightlifting or they do want to get back to running or biking at some point. We start incorporating those particular things mm-hmm. into their recovery. Do you remember specific interventions with Lori that were helpful, like cupping, needling, certain manual tr- treatments? I'm thinking back. We and Lori would know more specifically. I feel like we did incorporate some cupping into... Yes. getting your knee bending back right because i know I we've done it more recently for some hamstring issues yeah the cupping we did because i had such awful uh sciatic pain yeah that's right that yeah. i mean that was probably the worst part of the whole surgery is yeah. i i couldn't sleep in my own bed for like six months i was sleeping oh, wow. in a recliner with my hip on a pillow because the sciatic pain was so awful oh. yeah and that really hindered 
me getting to where I needed to be flexion wise. So sure. He started cupping. Yeah. Before we started doing, you know, he started working on the flexion, mm-hmm. and it was, mm-hmm. I mean, it made a huge difference. It we had hurt. to definitely be creative um, yeah. on how we approached it because it wasn't a typical knee replacement mm-hmm. recovery. She was one. She had lofty goals, but also she had a pretty significant, um, you know. Uh, thing that popped up with the sciatic nerve pain that was that was limiting her and whether that was related to how she was walking or just just something that was in the background but we definitely had to kind of approach things a little differently for her for sure so now she's a bionic woman that's right (laughs) and and i think we see that often you know um no two presentations are the same absolutely treatments vary a lot for sure having all those different skill sets at your disposal Mm -hmm. allows you to use this one thing that maybe is the key to unlock mm-hmm. in Lori's case that bending absolutely absolutely yeah. I think being a- like trying to be physically active up until the point where I had my surgery too made mm-hmm. a hu- makes a huge difference sure I mean if you have that strength in your in your joint and those surrounding yeah areas before you go in for that surgery your rehab is going to be a lot easier yeah I'm really glad you brought that up because we've <laughs> talked a lot about the concept we call prehab yes you know and you know not sitting around waiting, oh, I'm going to have surgery in a year, I'm going to do nothing, then I'm going to mm-hmm. have my knee replaced, then I'm going to do rehab. You need to be working up to that. And you had a great background, obviously, from your you know endeavors athletically and your training in exercise mm-hmm. science. But for the average person that maybe doesn't have any of that, that concept can be foreign because mm-hmm. I think they're thinking, oh, well, I'll just wait until I get the joint replaced and then everything will be good. Mm-hmm. I would literally have lost my mind <laughs> yeah. if I wasn't doing something, some sure. kind of activity up to that point. I mean, I probably wore out the arm bike <laughs> out there because I was like, this is the only cardio I can really do um, after I had my knee replaced. So I yeah. would get on the arm bike for an hour just to get some kind of you know, yeah. cardio going. It's yeah. a lot more than anybody else really can say. Yeah. <laughs> or my sure. husband would probably... I, I might not even be married right now. <laughs> <laughs> Where did she go? <laughs> Spending all of her time at that gym. That's funny. Well, tell I, us. I, well, I was just going to say, I think that's a great point about the prehab. I think it's uh, it made a world of difference for her and anyone who does have a higher level of fitness or strength coming in definitely does mm-hmm. a lot better post We were talking sure. in um, earlier episodes, especially one I just did with Ken, one of our co-owners, he was, we were talking to a dietitian in tandem with, you know, getting your therapy and working out that your diet pre-surgery he was calling it pre-gaming surgery so prehab sounds a little bit yeah. more professional yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um that also pre-gaming plays a huge like a little bit more fun right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i was yeah. like he's also a college boy yeah. <laughs> but that it goes in tandem with Absolutely. making sure I that you're prepared for surgery as well as before and after yeah yeah well tell us a little bit about the cause that you're fundraising for with this uh okay. iron man coming up so the cause i am racing for is i don't know if anybody's heard of um an organization called Angel Paws. Um, they're up in the Blue Ash area, and they do in-home euthanization, end of life for you know for your normal everyday pets. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had them take care of two of our English Mastiffs. Um, it doesn't make it any easier, but it's still really cool what they do. Um, we have you know our a- their ashes and only their ashes because they do private cremation. So if you have cremation at the vet, you don't mm-hmm. get just your pets right. ashes. Mm-hmm. The really cool thing is they have a um, Lego sculpture in their office. So when you go to pick up your, no your way. pet's ashes, you write their name on a Lego. And the thing's Aww. huge. It's Clifford um, the Big Red Dog. They attach it to you know, the sculpture. So our first one, we went up, put his name on a Lego, 
added it to the sculpture. Oh. And our second dog, um, we went to go pick up her ashes. We couldn't find his name anywhere, so they gave us an extra Lego so we could stick them both oh. together. Oh. So he's in there twice somewhere. <laughs> um, she's in there once. But they also have um, what's called Angel's Watch, which is their nonprofit side of their organization, and they handle end-of-life services and a final salute for working dogs. Okay. So military police dogs at no expense to the handler. So a lot of times wow. when a police dog or a military dog retires, it's up to the handler to mm -hmm. take care, to, I mean, pay out of pocket to have any mm -hmm. of this done. Whereas if they're still with the police force, then obviously sure. you know, they cover it. But this is all strictly handled by them at no, no expense to the trainer um, or their handler. And um, our neighbor, Joel Altman, um, his, he was an FBI agent. His partner was canine, called, named Kurt. Oh. Um, and right after we met them in 2017, that winter, um, Kurt, he was not in very good health, so Joel used Angel Paws mm -hmm. to take care of that. Um, and Kurt is one of the reasons behind them starting Angel's Watch. Mm. Okay. So I'm racing to raise awareness and money for Angel's Watch because a lot of people, a lot of police departments, right, don't even know that this is out there for them for you know for them to use mm -hmm. um, when it comes time. So I'm trying to raise raise awareness. Everything that I raise mm -hmm. is actually being donated in the name of Canine Kurt. That is so oh, sweet. Really so um, they are very. Um, very excited to see how much money that I can mm -hmm. um, raise for them. And I'll be raising money right up until the time I race. So we're talking like, you know, four months from now. Yeah. I've already, That's awesome. I've already got a few hundred dollars in there. I Good. haven't really gone out and done any, like, real fundraising yet. Okay. So I'm going to start going to a lot of police departments, right. a lot of sheriff's departments mm -hmm. to just kind of get the word out. And I'm mm -hmm. not – I mean, I raised money for Grant County Animal Shelter when I did mm -hmm. the race in September. Um, and what I was looking for then was, like – corporate sponsorships and everybody's company logo went on the back of my jersey and I wore it on there. Now I'm just trying to get individuals to, I mean, even if it's 10, 15, 20, 25 dollars, yeah. if I can get like a couple hundred individuals to donate to mm -hmm. this cause, I mean, that's a lot of money that they can use. You know, a lot of dogs they can help, a lot yeah, of families what they, they can help. Yeah. Yeah. What they do. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for what they do. I certainly couldn't do it right. sure. on a mm -hmm. daily basis. And neither could I. But <laughs> I have a lot of respect for yeah. what they do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's an I think it's an important cause because it I think is. they get they deserve they should deserve the same kind of send off that their human partner right. mm -hmm. gets for sure. because they're doing they're putting their lives on the line every day just mm -hmm. like the police officer exactly. their handler so I was gonna say don't they, they get like awards and stuff just like they do oh they, I, yeah I mean I'm sure the military dogs get purple hearts just like yeah that's yeah. You know, yeah. just mm -hmm. like their you know their human handlers do yeah. so I think it's important. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That is that's awesome. such a great cause. We'll definitely um, include the information for our listeners down in the notes. Um, yeah. So if you're listening to this and you feel motivated to help, you can click on that and get more information and definitely a tremendous, tremendous cause. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Love hearing about that. We're all dog people, I think, here, right? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. sure. Got a couple of fur babies sure. of our own. Yeah. I so still have two, that. so Good. I have a 217-pound Mastiff. And what? And a 55-pound boxer mix. So I didn't know that they awesome. got that big. <laughs> <laughs> it's the largest largest dog breed in the world. I'll have to wow. see some pics after this. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, from start to finish, Laurie, thank you so much for your story and your time. I mean, it's just an awesome example of 
direct access at work and yeah. awesome clinical care and all the tools we talk about with, you know, manual therapy and interventions that we do. We're able to kind of get you back on the Ironman course. That's yeah. awesome. I'm well, excited. Kinda, to it gives me an opportunity to, to thank you guys, too, and your oh. st- staff here oh. and Charlie. And I mean, because the whole rehab experience is not pleasant. Um, but I think if you have the right group of therapists and you come into the right you come into the right place it makes like a a huge difference Aww. and i i mean since i've been coming to charlie since i think 2018 sounds wow. right and <laughs> sounds right i know i'll be coming to him often this year just to, you know to keep this hamstring in check while i'm training so Yep. Sounds like yep. exactly what well you should awesome. do. I'm excited yeah. to follow along in your journey and yeah. see how you do. Yeah. We're rooting for you here. Yeah, thank you. That's great. Awesome. Thanks for joining thanks us. For and joining thanks, us. everybody, for tuning in. Thank Bye. You. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com. And you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms, and until next time, keep it moving!